0: This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at
1: CapitalFinancialUSA.com.
0: Every Friday, we get smarter about basketball. We bring in Brian Geisinger at BGuys underscore bird. Pack Pride, BuzzBeat podcast, 24-7 sports, a savant. All right, let's get to some weekend hoops. First of all, Brian uh how art thou
1: i'm doing well how about you guys
0: doing all right uh it's been there's a lot of hockey and a lot of basketball to watch now uh I, i have been kept uh quite busy i'm sure you have as well you watch more basketball than i do uh let's let's start uh and i tried to do this for each of the uh each of the games that mattered to us this weekend Uh, So let's start with, I basically said, this is what has to happen, or this is what I'm thinking about going in. I want to start with the Duke weight game. Uh, Duke is building a resume um, with a ton of road wins in the league, some of which actually masquerade as quad one wins. Amazingly enough, Uh, I didn't think the league had them. Uh, but, boy, uh, well, Dukes won, I think, six of their last seven away from home, including except for the one at North Carolina. That's the only loss. Um, what have you seen from them? I'm always skeptical when a win, a big win, is built on the three-point shot. That happened at Pitt, and they couldn't really replicate that again. And then it happened last, uh, what, Wednesday night at Miami. They shot the eyes out in the first half. Um, what have you seen from them? Uh, in terms of things that I think are repeatable going forward.
1: Yeah, they had a big shooting night uh, last Saturday at FSU, too. Right. 10-16 on threes and that. Um, I do think it's notable that they had a huge shooting night without Jared McCain going off. Right. Like, he's been such a huge barometer for their spacing, their movement, shooting their three-point offense this year. You have McCain that has just a so-so night offensively by his, you know, lofty standards. Um, obviously, teams still have to guard him, but uh, but look, F-ish, or Miami. Part of me is was really like ripe for for Duke <laughs> to just de- detonate on them. I mean, one, I think I think even myself underestimated how much Miami was going to miss Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong yeah. um, from last year's team, and then of course Matthew Cleveland and Nigel Pack, are two very good starters, are out and you know, Miami likes to hedge screens and that means Filipowski gets into space and he gets to spray out wide on the short roll to shooters. Like it, it really is the the kind of defensive coverage that can get Duke's offense rolling. We saw that happen the last time they played Wake uh, in Cameron a couple of weeks ago when, when Wake was hedging and blitzing side ball screens and that turned into a, a problem with Mark Mitchell driving to the driving rim in the middle of the floor. But as far as Duke goes, I mean, I think you know, getting Proctor back, getting him going, that was really, really good. I think when Filipowski makes jump shots like that, uh, it just sort of like adds a really another sort of like five out component right. to to the team's offense. Um, and if we're just sticking with like players, I mean, I think this has been ongoing for a few weeks now. Perhaps we even discussed this last week, but like this version of mark, mark mitchell is like I, I don't know the team against the game against miami and some of these other recent outings i felt like the vision for what duke was supposed to look like this year is starting to sort of like come into picture cuz like mitchell's just played i mean he's been excellent he was yeah. so good defensively against wake forest um he's his offense is coming along like he's hitting some of those slot threes when teams are leaving him wide open, um, he's making he's making plays as a cutter, and like to me, that's like really when he's at his best. When he's in when he's into playing slash and kick, and and, and also moving around as a cutter, he and Roach had a really nice like give and go on the left side of the floor uh, in in the uh, the first half of the uh, the Miami game. So um, and then finally, we just would even mention like Sean Stewart coming online as like a you know not just um, uh, you know hustle guy off the bench, but his athleticism is different. It gives them mm-hmm. another di- 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 uh, another dimension. And he's not just like a pretty good athlete, you know, for a right. for a six, eight, six, nine guy. He is he is a like 99th percentile vertical athlete. And um and I think he's better than he was two weeks ago. So what is what does Sean Stewart look like two weeks from now? Like and no growth like that isn't like linear necessarily, but I think having he and Mitchell play Play like this makes Duke more versatile. They're more athletic. They can do more stuff defensively. And I just think John Shire and his staff deserve a big credit for what they're doing defensively, too. Because of this, during this winning streak, I think everyone but Wake Forest was held under one point per possession yes. in the game. And Wake was. Right at one point per possession. And you know that offense is one of the, you know, it's a top 20 offense in the country. So they're getting it done on both ends. And I think Mitchell's fingerprints have been all over everything.
0: Yeah, their defense is different. They, you know, they're not blocking a lot of shots. They're not forcing a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're basically just making you uh, work harder, much harder for the shots that you're getting. And I think what they're doing is probably making you take the shots that they want you to take. Uh, which is in so many ways uh, key to any team's defense, really quick to wake. Well, Go ahead. you want to say them?
1: We're just going to say they're switching really well. Like like Mitchell, and they've done some of these cross matches in recent games, right? Like against Miami, Mitchell starts out on North Shadow Mir. Against Boston College, he starts out on Quentin Post, so you can switch more stuff. Right? Right. So you can switch with Filipowski. And it does sort of feel like they're just throwing a bunch of different stuff at teams because you can guard, pick, and roll every way with Filipowski. You can also switch with him. So they just got different stuff, and they can take away maybe the first or second thing you want to do offensively, and all of a sudden you're trying to you know chase switches and play matchup ball, um, and they're doing a nice job sort of like filling in gaps on the backside whenever you think you might have a size mismatch in the, uh, the post. So Wake has almost
0: nothing on their resume that suggests they can beat good teams right they've got really the one win over Florida we know they're good because we've watched them play and they have good mm-hmm. players but it's been hard for them especially away from home and not and this game is a home game um when I mean where is the breakthrough for Wake Forest what has held
1: them back I mean the breakthrough might might be tomorrow <laughs> like right the, the game it kind of has like to a, be. A, a coin toss, yeah, and I mean, like, you know, you did mention Florida. Like, Florida's very good, yeah, a top twenty team with a couple NBA players on the on the roster. So, like, that team's no joke. Um, I don't know. I think there is something to be said about like beating the teams. You know, you're so, you're generally supposed to beat. I mean, maybe you could say the. Uh, the Pittsburgh loss, the state loss, the FSU loss. Those were some tough ones this year. But I think it's one of those things where you've got to, like, take – as opposed to thinking about this, like, as, like, win-losses. And uh, and so just bear with me for the second. Sure. Uh, for a second, like, because ultimately that's how these resumes are compiled and, and looked at and analyzed and, you know, teams are picked for the NCAA tournament off of it. But it's like if you, pull, if you pan out and look at their full season of work, this is a team that's basically – a uh, top thirty team on both sides of the on both sides of the court, offense defense. They they've got a really tough offense to start to stop. It's hard to keep the ball in front of them. They've got you know two really versatile big guys yep. that can that can play make that can switch that can that can protect the rim uh, that can post up and that can shoot a little bit too. Like it's just one of those things where you've got to like. Uh, and this would maybe be the most generous read of it, but if you pan out and take the twenty thousand foot view of their resume and don't go through everything line by line. They absolutely light up as a tournament team Man. to me and a team that like could, could absolutely get to the sweet 16, right. Could win a couple of games. Like again, against Miller, Salas, good luck. Um, right. especially when they've got like guys like Reed and, in in in, uh, in car able to sort of like protect the rim and, and be mismatched pieces on offense too. So the,
0: if it was a football committee, uh, they would just use the eye test because uh, it's just the mm-hmm. mood uh, when we're talking about a football committee. But the basketball committee, these people historically uh, stare at, at at team sheets and they see road records, which are not good for mm-hmm. Wake Forest, uh, which is, I just want to grab a two and seven. They see quad one, which is one and five. Uh, and I mean, look, I'm, you and I are in yeah. agreement really about them, right? Like, I, yeah, I watch yeah. them, and I go, they're good. But yeah, they, then yeah. you look at, you know, their team sheet, which is just, I mean, num you know, numbers and dashes, and you go, well, they, they really haven't accomplished much, no matter how good they are. All right, let me get to North Carolina. What, like, I am not put off by the way they're playing, some regression to the mean in terms of, their defense, their offense hasn't been good enough to overcome their defense and some of their losses. Uh, I still think that, you know, losing on the road and the ACC isn't a death knell. It's not, you know, we're, it, <laughs> but. The, the way the narrative is now, Virginia loses a game on the road, by the way, even though they got smoked by Virginia Blasted. Tech. Whatever. Blasted. I mean, you just got smoked. It's fine. Yeah. It happens. Uh, who cares? Yeah. Honestly, I don't care how much you lost by. I really don't. Uh, but they got they lost yeah. by a lot. And now they're, like, teetering on the edge of not being in the tournament. Like, it would, ha- would not happen in any other major conference. But it's suddenly, v- uh, like, it's the new thing to, uh, to, to uh, treat the ACC, ACC like that. What is North Carolina? Where Where is the area that they need to improve the most? Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Taruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Financial advice industry can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Is there a way to be sure you're getting the best service when you don't know?
1: Well, first off, I'm 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 very excited for the UVA UNC matchup. This is one I've had circled for a while, and I think it's going to be really fun to see. Like the way Virginia's uh, defense like matches up with UVA, sort of like primary, or with UNC's primary guys, right? You know, Jordan Miner on Armando Bacot, Ryan Dunn. I mean, obviously he's everywhere defensively. Right. With him on Harrison Ingram. Uh, Reese Beekman on R.J. Davis, like as Davis has just floated and dominated around the ACC this year, like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> the best guard defender in the country is, you know, coming to town. Um, and, and Dante Harris off the bench is another good guard defender that could match up with Cadeau. So, like, I, I kind of like how, at least in terms of just, like, on paper, um, how UVA can 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 match up with these guys, uh, at least defensively. And, like, Virginia's got to get it into the mud. And so, for me, if this is for, for UNC like what I'll be seeing is like if, if Virginia is able to get this thing down into the mud, can UNC win one of those games yes. uh, or pull one of those games out um, I suppose uh, you know, again Virginia showed that they can do this even last weekend with the way they beat Wake Forest is sort of like one of those games. I don't imagine this being below the 50s or, or can UNC's offense just be overwhelming? in this in this in this ball game, you know what does hubert davis have up his sleeve to get rj loose can he get hot from three what does that open up does cormac cormac ryan stay hot after right. the uh, after his uh big shooting performance uh the other day against uh vt so um for me that's sort of like this is just a contrast of uh of styles and i think um i'll be curious to see like if unc is either just like dominant enough to get it to their to their style their pace their offensive efficiency, or if it does get to U- to where UVA wants it to, can UNC sort of like still uh, pull it out? Um, fascinating to see this weekend. All
0: right, C- a couple of minutes left with Brian Geisinger here. Let me ask you this: I know you uh, you went on uh, Pack Pride with Corey at a podcast after the loss to Syracuse on uh, what Wednesday night? I guess it was it was Wednesday night. I think it was yeah. Wednesday night. And honestly, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night. Uh, I thought. I thought the uh, the play was good. I thought the pass was there late to DJ Horn, and it allowed mm-hmm. the defense to recover. If the pass is there on time, then DJ has enough room uh, to get the shot off, probably uncontested. It uh, doesn't mean he's going to make it, but it, then we're not sitting here crying about a foul or no foul. <laughs> um, uh, it, am I crazy in that, While DJ Burns has a value offensively, it isn't strong enough for him to be playing as much as he's playing because he's such a liability defensively. Or do they have to have him on the court for even DJ Horn's offense to work?
1: I mean, he is important. He's very important for them offensively because the post ups with, with Burns, you know, that leads to cut baskets. With him as a passer is really, I think, like when his post up offense is sort of like at its best because it means he's forcing a double team. And that means cut layups and cut dunks. So that means kick out threes, which like State has a tough time creating open threes. And they have a tough time getting the ball to the rim uh, in the half court. And so Burns' post ups not only does it mean sort of like oh you creates some passing opportunities it creates passing opportunities for like very lucrative you know shot types um so burns is valuable and i don't maybe they haven't found the right balance for him all season in terms of like what his role should look like you know what the how how they should work the platoon with ben middlebrooks they've played those guys together some they've dabbled with you know small ball lineups with Mo Diarra at the five and you know four guards or with Dennis Parker Jr. like maybe they could try some of that to sort of even like lessen the load for for Burns enough. I think a lot of it ends up being sort of like matchup dependent. I mean Syracuse is tough. They've got uh, a really good point guard in Judah Mintz. Yeah, they co- they come out at the start of that game and the plan was to go put DJ Burns in pick and roll. Yeah, and they did. And then like the reason why Chris Bell got a lot of those catch and shoot threes which was because, like, Syracuse was running pick-and-roll. He was spotted up in the corner. (laughs) They got the ball to the middle of the floor, and then then Malik Brown kicked out, right? And then he was just getting catch-and-shoot three after catch-and-shoot three. Um, So it's tough. Uh, And if it's just DJ Horn out there as, like, the the main offensive threat, Middlebrooks can do stuff offensively. So it's not like he's, like, a, a zero on that end. He's actually a pretty useful offensive player. But as far as, like, guys who are probably going to command, could command, conceivably could command an extra defender to guard them, there's only two guys on State's roster, you know? Yeah. Like, it's Horn and and Burns. And I would just say on that last play, because I, I rewatched watched it um, yesterday, like, I, I liked the call from State. I, I thought it was clever. I mean, I think it's funny that, like, a lot of State fans are – you know, they spend years mad that Keats doesn't apparently doesn't run plays, which right. is obviously not true. Then he <laughs> runs a play, and then they're mad about that. I mean, you just can't. It turns out like all that people care is like wins, loss. Right? Like, that. Isn't that surprising? It's that it's that, that results based. But what I want to say is like rewatching it. When I first saw it live, I thought the pass from O'Connell was late. Okay, I think there was I think there was a reason for that. Chris Bell, who again, like I mean, okay. he made his mark hitting a bunch of threes in this game. He's guarding Diara on that last play. But if you re-watch it, he actually sees it coming. Like he sees Burns coming across the lane to go through the elevators, elevator door. He slides sort of like underneath Diara, and then he ends up on the other side of the screens. He's just behind he's sort of like lurking behind mm-hmm. porn. Okay. And if there was any reason why O'Connell sort of like double clutched the ball before he threw the pass, I think it was because he was worried about, you know, Bell possibly jump in the pass and, and stealing it. So there's a reason why, I mean, okay. O'Connell's a really trusty Pat, you even know, guy with the ball can really initiate offense and pass. And I, I sort of wonder if uh, Bell maybe sort of like, not only made him delay the pass, but then also O'Connell threw it up the floor. So like, Horn had to like take a step or two to his yeah. right to even catch the ball off, you know, sort of like off his access uh, or off his axis. And so, I don't know, Bell just made a big defensive play. And like, sometimes that happens late in mm-hmm. games.
0: No, no question about that. Um, yeah. They need uh, like, to me, the the best coaching move of the whole night was um, who's it? Adrian Autry, uh, not calling timeout on Syracuse's possession after Middlebrook's I guess he missed the second free throw and left the game tied, right? Uh, mm-hmm. right. Not calling the timeout and letting uh Kadir Copeland just work because it left Burns on the court.
1: Oh well actually that was after Horn I think it was after Horn missed. A oh yeah, up. so it was a Horn missed, right. Yeah. Okay, but Horn missed. But, yeah. but last, last last sequence point remains. Right. Yeah, point remains. Point remains. He yeah. he
0: left Burns on the court. Um all right man uh, do you have uh, do you have faith in the uh in the Wolfpack uh winning at home against Boston College
1: I think they should I think they can win tomorrow um they have a blueprint for how to beat B- BC they're tough but uh the rest of the way looks pretty brutal after Saturday so yeah they they better win Saturday basically
0: Yeah win win Saturday and then uh win 4 in Charlotte <laughs> that's where yeah, perfect that's the best way to get into the <laughs> ncaa tournament Brian b guys underscore bird 24 7 sports buds beat podcast uh my man will talk to you next week
1: yeah right where you want to be uh have a good weekend you Thanks, guys man. exactly at wake med 365 we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year primary care and urgent care under one roof Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org.